Star Wars fans and Rule the Galaxy fans. Um, it's Joe in the pilot seat, and we're going to break away from the regular crew because life's just going by too fast and there's too many things going on. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you're probably going to see that I have nothing behind me because Big Joe is moving out of the current uh, Rule the Galaxy studio into a new one here in just a few days. So, with that being said, we are taking a break. We're having some fun. We're going to do one of the best shows you've ever heard because it's got two of the best guests we've ever had, and you can see them on YouTube. You'll hear them here on a second on the podcast. You know where to track us down, though, in between times. Rule the Galaxy. Just look for us on all the social media platforms, and just go listen to us because we're fun, and you should. So, uh, But enough about me. Two of my favorite guys in the world who actually helped me get started on Rule the Galaxy, are here as guests today. The first one knew he was going to be a guest. The second one just found out he was going to be a guest. So we have Mr. Scott Rifen, the most listened to man in South Georgia radio, and the host of Geek Out Loud and so many other things I'm sure that I'm forgetting, Mr. Steve Glosson. We'll start with Scott because he knew, he, he, he already knew he was coming on and wasn't a surprise. Scott, Long time no talk to. How you doing? I was told there would be Mark Newbold here, <laughs> and instead we get Glosson. I don't really know that that's fair. And I and can't I, had even, a, I and I can't even do a good uh, British accent. So <laughs> well, it's never stopped you before. It's wow. a rebellion, isn't it? <laughs> Governor, it's a rebellion, isn't it? Please, sir, can I have more? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know how to do British accent either, but. Um, Hey, and and here was the thing, good. you know, you suggested that, you know, we talk and it would be Mark Newbold and me and we talk Marvel Star Wars and stuff. And I and I had a like a triangle story of you, Mark Newbold and me that I was going to reveal here. Should I go ahead and reveal <laughs> it anyway? I think you should. You've okay. teased the crowd. Yes. OK, it's not even it's actually not about you, but I just need, did that to get you hooked in. Um, <laughs> Newbold. I knew Newbold was a big lover of the Marvel Star Wars. And uh, at one point, I reached out to him because I know that in America, we actually have more access to American comics than in Britain. So um, I reached out to him one time and I found wait, out, you know, wait a minute, hold on. Why, huh? Why? You're telling me that we have more access in America to American comics. I know it's shocking. <laughs> I know. Makes no sense. I know. It's, it's, it's that darn pound system. But uh, so at one point, I reached out to him to find out what issues he was missing from his original run because when i when i did him on my star wars story we had a little bit of talk about that and uh i knew i was going on a trip where i'd be buying some comics and i thought well i'll keep an eye out for the things he's missing 
Uh, turns out I found almost everything he was missing in a comic shop mm. in Indianapolis on my trip. So there's actually the, the Joe connection. And then when I got back and here's something weird, when I got back, I realized I had, there's one that I hadn't gotten, but I got him everything he needed except one book. And then I shipped it to him, but guess where he was when I shipped it to him in the United States, he was at Disney. <laughs> so, so I shipped it to his resort at Disney and he picked it up there. So nice. Yeah. But just a kind of a weird coincidence that the Indianapolis guy would have us on. And that's where I got most of his collection from, or not most of his collection, but most of what I got him for his collection. That is a very cool, a very cool connection right there. I like that. Yeah. And and I'm surprised that Indianapolis would have what he was looking for, but we have, we've got some all right comic book stores yeah. here. You did okay. You did yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, it, originally, yes, I, I, I was going through all my checks and balances and saying, Hey, I'm going to have some free time. Who should I have on? So I'm going to reach out to people. And it just so happened. I was like two guys who talk about the Marvel star Wars comic books. We should put this together and just let them go. And then I was sitting there and Steve had said, Hey, I, I might need this week not to be, be on, but maybe next week, something like that. And then I was listening to his most recent Geek Out Loud, and here he was talking about comic books. And I thought, you know, we're already going to be talking about comic books. Yes, it's Hulk, and yes, it's the thing, but it's still comic books. We can still bring that up with Mr. Ripon. So, and I and I like that you uh, brought my dogs into your Geek Out Loud, by the way, Steve. Thank you for doing that. Your dogs hate you. <laughs> what? You're, well, they don't hate you. But they see you as a source of food and shelter, nothing more. Yeah. They don't experience true effect. They would take you over in a heartbeat if they could. And most uh, of the time, they think they have. I mean, oh, they, yeah. You know, they, you follow them around to watch them use the bathroom. You're constantly feeding them, and you're just so happy to see them when you come home. It's, uh, they're, they're, they think, wow, I must be a god. It, they're like C-3PO with the Ewoks. Yes. I feel like you're talking about cats, though, and not dogs. Well, now cats look at you and say, I am a god. Cats, yeah. Cats and look cats at you and go, you know, if I was just a little bit bigger, I would yeah. both mm -hmm. kill and eat you. Well, sure. And that's played yeah. out through the big jungle cats. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. They're, they're pretty much the same creature, just in a small version. I can well, tell you yes. that. Yes. Yeah. That's mm. why they're called big jungle cats. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But you don't but have big that, jungle what, dogs taking over people and stuff. No, so you got fun. hyenas and coyotes and yeah. wolves. Wolves. Yeah. I don't know that you could take a wolf. No. How do Thundercats mix in with the big jungle cats and domesticated cats? Well, Thundercats was a fine idea in the 80s. Um, <laughs> I wasn't a big Thundercats kid, to be honest. No. With you. no. Neither was I. I My, well, see... I feel like I feel like Steve was more of the age. I I remember it being there and being yeah, that's for the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Steve I wanted would be to be the kids. Yeah, I wanted to be. My mom was against it. Mm. Uh, yeah, she she thought it was like human and animal hybrids, mm -hmm. and, there, and she didn't realize they were aliens. And um, but now so Silverhawks was my jam. I did enjoy Silverhawks. It's it's kind of an interesting thing, and and I this is not Star Wars at all. Um, and this is not what I was just going to bring to the table and throw down at all, but um, there's this interesting thing that's happened in, especially in the toy collecting 
space with the revival of all of these different franchises and everything. Hasbro's, of course, brought several things back. And then you've got uh, like Super 7 Studios and NECA and those kind of places doing some different things. Turtles is real big right now, of course, and that's fine. That's great. Turtles never really went away. But like the the fervor for a product like Silverhawks, when Silverhawks only lasted like a season. Now, granted, a season in the 80s for afternoon television was like 60-something episodes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it really wasn't that big a deal. Like no, kids on the playground weren't talking about the latest Silverhawks episode. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they were, they were kind of low on the totem pole and everyone realized, well, this is just a repackaging of Thundercats, you know, even, even though we didn't know the word repackaging. So what's been really interesting to me is like with them and then an even lower thing on the totem pole, sectars and a few other things, man, people just act like this was the best in the eighties. And I want to sit there and say, you didn't care. You didn't care. (laughs) <laughs> let's wait well, hey let's go there for a second because one of the things i see a lot of and i'm glad you brought this up because the thing i've been worrying about and again you as the the kind of the guy of that age uh i keep seeing all this really rampant nostalgia for mask yeah and mask was never anything for me other than an occasional ad on the back of a comic book yeah i mask, had no knowledge of the workings of mask yeah mask had a had a really good cartoon mask was it was Kenner's answer to Transformers in a lot of ways. I mean, when they took that property and and it was uh, it was Deke, I think, who did the animation and the cartoon and all. I know in my area the cartoon came on in the morning, so like seven, like so it was like Inspector Gadget mask hour long block there. So you had to get you up know, while you were getting ready for school. You getting ready for school, you'd yeah. watch it. Yeah, um, really cool concept. You know, you had a you had a car that the that the doors would pop up and be wings, and the boosters would come out. You had a a motorcycle turned into a helicopter, a Jeep that launched out a boat, all kinds of different things, you know, a, a truck that would become like a mobile command center and missile launcher kind of thing. So it was a, it was a neat concept. Of course you had good guys and bad guys. So it was a neat concept. And it's the one thing that they haven't really outside of some comic book stuff mm-hmm. and outside of there was one GI Joe action figure when they were doing like the 25th or 30th anniversary stuff or whatever, they made Matt tracker, who was the leader of the mask team. And um, outside of that, there's been no attempt to remake relaunch, uh, put out new merch or anything with mask. And so I think what it is, is there's a cry from kids of that ilk who loved mask and mask. I I would say mask was relatively popular. It it? was, I, I think because it came along at a time when Star Wars was out. So you you had in that early 80s, you had Star Wars, which I really think was the pinnacle. And right beneath Star Wars, to me, in my opinion, was G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, absolutely. And then right there, not far from G.I. Joe, a real American hero, and really neck and neck for that third to second place arena, He-Man and transformers i mean yeah. these were the big guns the walking yep. dogs of 80s properties and and so everything else was just trying to get a piece of that well mask <laughs> i think came in a really solid fourth mask was a solid toy line that was unique enough and playable enough and affordable enough that kids were into it um but, but here's here's where i'm hearing the flaw okay like transformers you have vehicles and vehicles are cool kids like yeah. vehicle toys hot wheels have had a robust history right yeah. tonka has yep. a robust history yep. Yep. you get vehicles that turn into robots right. and robots are the coolest thing ever 
Yeah. But mass, they went, hey, we've got vehicles that turn into other vehicles. That's right. That's so there's right. a falling short there to me. <laughs> well, it, until, but see, that's where you get into the story arc because you have good guys mm. and bad guys that are using this technology. And then they also have the mask, the helmets, and all the helmets had different powers that mm. they would that they would do. So you might shoot laser rays, you might shoot, you might have like a spectrum thing where you could x-ray things or look at, you know, different. And so it just, and so you had those, and then you had, and this was one of the successes of Transformers and G.I. Joe on the television is with that cartoon, you had very distinct personalities in all of the different players that mm. played. And one of the cool things about Mask is whenever a mission came up, you'd have the computer be like, assembling proper team for Mask, you know? And so it was a secret organization. <laughs> it's that thing that boys love, you know, it's like super secret, you know, operatives doing this stuff. And so you can be driving down the road on your motorcycle and that's cool. And all of a sudden you've got to get where you're going. So James Bond, that mess turned it into a helicopter and off you go. This is, and, this is the foundation of QAnon. You know that, right? This is, oh. <laughs> I don't think that's the like, case. The little boys that love this grew up and went, you know, I'll bet there's a secret agency around the world. That's I can well, hear it now. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of that in that comes out <laughs> of the, I think it's a product of the cold war to be honest with you. Hmm. So, so I, when you guys were talking about mask, mm. I had no idea. Bypass me completely. Yeah. Never saw it. Never thought about it. I was thinking of Jim Carrey and the mask. Um, mm -hmm. no. And then, um, you know, you guys talking about these things transforming and and all that made me think of Big, where Tom Hanks is sitting in there going, What's "What if we take? What if we take this truck and we make it into a?" pterodactyl you yeah. know and the guy's like ah dinosaur into a robot and yeah it just popped right in my head so it's a building what else does it do yeah it's <laughs> mm -hmm. the thing is is you have to, and i think that's one of the things that is missing in 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 properties today as far as i can tell is the the, the success of the 80s with all of the restrictions on the fcc kind of lifted or the the restrictions were mm -hmm. lifted you know by the fcc on on advertising and that sort of thing the the what happened is is you had creative people with certain restrictions on them you know like he-man could never stab anyone or slice anyone with a sword so to speak but mm. you know it was a lot of punching and throwing and that sort of thing but what you had were these people that sit down with these cartoon properties or a comic book property and they would they actually worked at developing characters around these different toys and everything and so you had storylines so you could take just like with star wars figures and star wars toys you could take and then continue the adventure off the screen mm -hmm. with, yeah. with these things and, and that was that's really why the comics and the animated series were so important for those properties because you didn't have that you didn't have that movie as the basis right. that you could use as to take off from yeah and so you had toy companies developing these ideas or buying ideas that had been developed, that sort of thing. And I know with He-Man, like Mattel, they went to, you know, they went to distributors and the distributors were like, oh, I don't know if we're into this. Like, well, what about the comic? You know, we'll have a comic with each one. I'm like, oh, okay, that might sell, you know. And then mm -hmm. someone just spoke, what about the cartoon? We haven't told you about the cartoon. And they were like, oh, you got a cartoon coming? Oh, we're sold. So then Mattel had to go <laughs> back and figure out, well, how are we going to do a cartoon? You know, and right, thus right. here, you know, and thus Lee Shiver and film or Lou Shiver and filmation, you know, come into play there. So, um, it, yeah, it, the, but, but then it, there was a clamp down on that kind of stuff again, uh, in the 90s. You know, it's like, well, was we there? Can't, 
yeah, that there a lot of the restrictions that have to do with advertising to kids were lifted in a, in a lot of ways. Plus, yeah. you take that and you take the advent of you know cable becoming real big and Cartoon mm -hmm. Network and and those sorts of things and and it just became it wasn't as viable to have a cartoon company anymore. You know, especially as Warner Brothers is buying up you know uh, Hanna Barbera and whoever else they could get their hands on, you know, as far as animation studios goes. Hanna-Barbera used to be the walking dog, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Of, you, know, of animation. You, you, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, I just was, who was it that I was just reading? It was denigrating all the Hanna-Barbera stuff as being too similar. Um, See, what, well, I mean, it, what they, they made a cookie cutter and said, okay, yeah. let's change it from a dog to a shark. Let's change it from a yeah. dog to a shark to a that's dune buggy. Yes. I mean, it was that is the same exactly plan. what I was reading. Yes. Yeah. Josie uh, and the Pussycats put a cat there, right? And they're a band. I mean, it, it was that follow along, but it worked, right? I mean, how many of those do we remember mm -hmm. that it, it was good stuff? We it was but, but I think I think if you're I think that's a reductive statement about the Hanna Barbera animation studios because you also get Huckleberry Hound and Quick Draw uh -huh. McGraw and Yogi mm -hmm. Bear and mm -hmm. Snaggle Snaggletooth and all Puss. these different Snaggle Puss. Puss, yeah. And and a lot of these different characters that became, you know, the wacky Snaggletooth racers. is pink, not oh, blue. Yeah. That's right. The wack the the wacky the 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 wacky racers and the Scooby Doo. Nobody even mentioned Scooby Doo. What is wrong with you people? Well, Scooby Doo is that thing that they're saying is a cut they they had success with Scooby Doo, so right. Oh. Short, oh, I got you. Okay. But, but I mean, even the, when, when it was being the, the thing I was, I'm trying to remember what it was I was reading, if it was that Alan Dean Foster book or what it was, but, uh, uh, they were even going back though, to like Flintstones, Jetsons, you know, that far back. And they basically said Tom and Jerry, which, which is where, you know, Hannah and Barbara got their start. Yeah. Tom and Jerry were, were great. And then they went off and became nothing but cookie cutter stuff after that, which, you know, there's a certain sameness. I mean, the, the Flintstones is the honeymooners. I mean, I don't think anybody well, yeah. can walk away from that. But there's a certain sameness between what the Flintstones do and what the Jetsons do, both of which were kind of their their old primetime cartoons. Sure. I, I'll give you that. But I also say, but you get the full body of Hanna Barbera mm -hmm. and you get you get things like Johnny Quest. You get things oh, like yeah. Space Ghost and Birdman and you know, mm -hmm. and though they're Herculoids for crying out loud. And Herculoids, you, which uh, I still to this day don't even understand. I don't know where they're from or what's going on there. Is that Earth in the past or is that a distant planet somewhere no, in the far reaches of space? And, and isn't Shmoo on Herculoids? <laughs> there is a Shmoo. On Herculoids? What There's is there... Shmoo? Which one is Shmoo? Shmoo is the big white round blob kind of character. thing. Blob. Yeah, you have yeah. bleep yeah. and gloop. But, but I think he started in Little Abner, didn't he? Oh, God. Isn't, isn't Shmoo a Little Abner character? Well, and all of a sudden, the, he shows up in Herculoids out of nowhere. Well, no. Now, the Shmoo is different than than them because the Shmoo oh. has, like, a face and whiskers and yeah, and big eyes and eyebrows. And he has feet. The yes. Gleep and Gloop didn't have feet. They just had kind of oh, some okay. nice bounce. No they don't think they even had mouths. But um, then Shmoo did show up on uh, on one of those uh, was Saturday morning that. shows. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What did he show up on? I'm not sure. But anyway, so was Thunder Bar Thunder the Barbarian was also Hanna Barbaria, correct? Yes. Thunder and, was Thunder was great. And, and I liked him because he had the sword as well. I mean, I yeah, well, I was Thunder, Thunder was Star Wars. Thunder yes. was Star Wars. Thunder was Hanna Barbaria doing yep. Star Wars. I mean, right down to Ukla the Mock being basically yeah. a Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Yeah. Correct. Um, but here's the thing. The Thun by the time Thunder comes along. 
and and I was thinking about this the other day because I think about stupid things all the time. <laughs> and I was thinking about how, as a kid, I always viewed Hanna Barbera as the pinnacle of an animation studio because Filmation was very, you could tell they were reusing the same cells mm -hmm. over and over and over again on their stuff. Yes. Um, with Watch the Star Trek show. With, with Yeah, with Hanna-Barbera. Well, you look at Ghostbusters and He-Man from the 80s, and mm. not the real Ghostbusters, mind you, Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but Hanna-Barbera didn't have a lot happening on weekday cartoons. You had your Sunbow and your Deke. You had filmation. You had Joe Transformers. Yeah, right. You had you had your you had your uh, Rankin Bass, which was Thundercats and Silverhawks. You know, and then you had a lot of this repurposed anime from from Japan, Voltron, Transor Z, those sorts of things. Battle of the Planets. And yeah, and so by but what was happening is Hanna Barbera was hitting those Saturday morning cartoons, and you couldn't get through a Saturday morning without that swirly star coming at you bing, mm -hmm. you know and and that was going to be your super friends that was going to be mm -hmm. smurfs that was going to be thundar the barbarian early on in the 80s that was going to be just about everything you saw on, on certain networks you know abc got more of the disney stuff because of that connection's always been there um and cbs had a lot of the uh uh, more of the sunbow and, and they had raggedy and andy they well, cbs had, also um, had looney tunes though for a long time i thought that was always abc no it came to abc later but it was it was okay. cbs's for well, most of the for time. A long time when it was yeah. 90 minutes it was yeah. cbs yeah well they also had you know cbs had muppet babies in the middle of the 80s there or the early mm -hmm. 80s and they had um they had a block when video games were huge you know mm -hmm. and and yeah, when i say video games were huge yeah pac-man yeah. hubert pole position which is one of the yep. great uh theme songs of a cartoon of all time and when i say and, and you guys can attest to this when I, I know video games are just kind of a thing now in the culture mm -hmm. but in those early 80s man arcades you know having some type of home system whether it was pong or an atari 26 video games were huge for a little bit you know, mm -hmm. and, they, and the and of course the industry almost dried up, and here came Nintendo around to to, to kind of save that industry. But there were in those early '80s, man. One of my favorite things was that Pac-Man had to do its thing to appease the arcade people and the Atari fans as well. Um, when the <laughs> game came out, the creatures were monsters. They were monsters. Mm. That was it. But when Atari released its version of pac-man because they could not stabilize those monsters and they had a permanent flicker to them they had to call them ghosts mm. the only reason they could excuse away the flicker so when pac-man does his tv show what does he what does he call them ghost monsters okay yeah i never i never knew that they were called monsters originally I, I always yeah. knew them as ghosts no they weren't ghosts until atari put their version out so do you mm. guys you guys remember the game dragon's lair right yeah on bluth yeah they, didn't they have a, car, a Saturday morning cartoon of that as well? I don't. Or was, I, don't I know they had a Dungeons and Dragons Saturday morning, but there I was a Dungeons and Dragons. Dragons yeah. Lair did a season or two. I maybe I'm way. They off. did. Yeah, there there was, and I think it was Don Bluth Animation as well. I mean, because they had it from the they had all the assets from doing that video game. But yeah, there was a Dragons Lair cartoon. That's a much <laughs> cheaper animation though. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they needed all those assets because <laughs> I mean. You know, Dragon's Lair, the game was done very, very, very yeah. 
you know, that was high budget animation. That was Secret of Nim style Don Bluth right, animation. Right. But I don't I don't think what they do on Saturday Ruby mornings Spears, is so much. Ruby Spears did that in eighty three or in eighty five. Um okay. eighty five. Yeah, so I was gonna say um, I didn't think it looked Don Don Bluthy. No, no, it didn't. It's uh thirteen thirteen episodes. So that's one there season. Yeah. See, I, I tore that game up at Chuck E. Cheese or Showbiz Pizza Palace, whatever it was at the time. I thought that game, when I saw it go from being a Donkey Kong and a Pac-Man to that, I thought, wow, where are we going with video games? Because it was played out in much more of a cartoon movie kind of a setup instead of, you know, like so many bits or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was just one of those things that stood out to me. But I you look, I can tell you there's only a very few uh, actual media that I purchased related to cartoons. And that is Scooby-Doo and the Smurfs. I was a big Scooby-Doo fan my oh. whole life. I always have been. My wife and I, gosh, it, it, we bought way, way long ago when the kids were little, the DVDs of like as many seasons of Scooby-Doo as we could, the Scooby-Doo movies, all that kind of stuff. I don't know why it stuck with me, but that show always did. And then there was something about the Smurfs. I don't know. Maybe it was just taking you into this otherworldly kind of thing, but... As as weird as it probably sounds, I love the Smurfs. They were they were just so fun and and different and I don't know, just just stuck with me. I don't know if you guys oh. ever watched the Smurfs that much or not. Of course, dude, they were my Saturday morning staples, man. Smurfs <laughs> were huge. That's another thing that was just. Sure. I know that's below Scott, but Smurfs <laughs> when they hit America, man, they they were huge. Here's something I I didn't. They know. were huge. I did not like Smurfs. We misspoke earlier, but you mentioned we we talked about that one being uh, Ruby Spears. Um, Ruby Spears actually did Thundar the Barbarian. Oh, okay. Really? Um, yeah, they did. Well, Ruby and Spears were the sound editors that spun out. They were they were actually came from Hanna Barbera. Yeah. Okay. And so that's why it has that kind of feel. But I didn't realize how much they did the Plastic Man uh, comedy adventure show. I remember yep. that. Yeah, um, that's a great, was fun. That's funny. Yeah. They did Heathcliff. Um, Marmaduke they, then too. They did Marmaduke. Yeah, they did. Uh, uh, Scott, you'll remember in the early eighties, and you may too, uh, Marinara, that um they used to have some cartoons based on live action shows. So you had Mork and Mindy, Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, gosh, happy days. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Happy day. The Fonz and the Happy Days gang. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's a that was Ruby Spears. The and, pack the aforementioned Pac-Man cartoon. You know, um Mr. T, the Mr. <laughs> T cartoon. You know what the big problem with those Laverne and Shirley and Fonz mm. Happy Days and stuff? My big problem with all that stuff was I'm a continuity nut. Right. And so it would drive me nuts. Totally it's like, yeah. where in the episode would Richie and them have jumped on a time machine? Right. Oh, yeah. And yeah. zipped around time with the Fonz. Because I don't remember how this would have. And I would, in my brain, try to work out how exactly. Well, it, it was, was leftover technology from when Mork showed up that one time. Was that what it was? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the Laverne and Shirley angle, I think, was they joined the military. They joined mm -hmm. the Army, yeah. Yep. And I'm trying to remember what Mork and Mindy, because they're all different things. I'm trying to remember what right. Mork and Mindy's angle was, but it was it was not just regular old, you know, Mork shows up at the, Wasn't uh, there the record Gill shop. The Gilligan's Island cartoon for a while. There was a well. Gilligan's Island cartoon. That was back yeah. in the 70s. Gilligan's Planet. It was yeah. Gilligan's oh, Planet, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I well, think that was a filmation, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think that was filmation. Yeah. Yeah, Gilligan's Filmation had a lot of that stuff too in the 60s and 70s. Now, the, Ruby Spears also did Turbo Teen, which mm. has become a, a particular punchline. But Turbo Teen was literally a dude, a real human being who turned into a car whenever he got hot. 
So he'd get heated up and he would turn into a car. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. But they all Ruby Spears also did the Superman cartoon there toward the late eighties. And, and it only lasted like 13 or 14 episodes. I think that Superman cartoon, but it's notable because they use the John Williams theme at the beginning of that, uh, wow. of that cartoon. Mm. And, um, and it was, uh, so, you know, Superman, let's see, he teamed up with wonder woman in one of the episodes, but a lot of Lex Luthor, a lot of, I mean, it was very much movie it had a superman the movie kind of feel to it as far as the characterizations of the people went you mentioned hmm. the the tears of of things in the early 80s so forth i'm noticing not a lot and and i guess i don't remember this much besides justice league or things like that were there many superhero cartoons in the early 80s because oh, yeah. i feel like it was more of a 70s well, Leading into Super you, Friends. Well, Super Power. The, well, Super Friends lingered, and then you had Superpowers too. You had, yeah, yeah, you yeah. had you had the Galactic Superpower show, and um, so yeah, Super Friends kind of morphed in that. You did have uh the the Spider Man and his Amazing Friends. Yes, Stanley. And, and there was a short lived Incredible Hulk animated series in the early eighties. And Thing Ring, do your thing. Now that's oh. back in the is that in the sixties seventies, yes. Scott? No, 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 the seventies. No. It 70s, would have been early 80s. 70s, early 80s. Yeah. The the is because it was uh yeah. they did a Fantastic Four Boom. with Herbie. That's the 80s. Because they did Fantastic Four with Herbie because they couldn't do the the uh human torch because they were afraid kids would set themselves on fire. They weren't afraid that kids would try to stretch themselves <laughs> 500 feet. But right. um they, they had Herbie the robot, which was a horrible idea, and they had the thing, uh, and that was on NBC. And it was just like he was a teenager, teenage the kid thing ring. Yep. Yeah, that was that was the end of the 70s. That was like 78, 79 is when okay. that Fantastic Four cartoon and the thing and the thing came on. Oh, Benji, not yeah. Ben Grimm, but Benji. Yeah. 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 Yep. I, I, I used to watch those in reruns in down at St. Simon's in the mm. summer. I remember that's when I discovered that stuff. Um, huh. Absolutely fascinated by it, too. I was uh, speaking of Superman. If I can go back to that, guys, yeah. I read something. I finished reading something this morning while I was at the at the service station with my vehicle getting at service. Um, the Superman 78 comic series that DC put out, I yeah. guess last year, have you, if you guys haven't read it, it, it's, it's worth a read on your Kindle reader. Um, or your comicology app. It, it, the art is a little bit more inconsistent than I want it to be, but when it, but when they'll catch certain angles of faces and certain stuff, it's like, it's almost like they took a, a film cell and traced Christopher Reeve or Margot Kidder. Right. Um, he fights Brainiac and it really is like the, the spirit of the Christopher Reeve Superman is there. And the spirit of the Gene Hackman Lex Luthor is there. And it's, it's, it is a, it is an, it's a great natural sequel to those films, but because it's a comic book, it's able to be ramped up a little bit. And I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And there's some other Donner nods throughout the throughout the the little series, and so it's not Star Wars, but I would I highly recommend Star uh, Superman seventy eight, and that kind of leads me to this question because you old fogies were around uh, live, you know, as it happened during the day, and I know this is a Star Wars podcast, and we've heard you guys talk about when you saw Star Wars and everything, but mm -hmm. was Superman even on your radar? Is that something you even care about? Do you have any nostalgia for it at all? Superman the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Superman Reeve. The movie. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yes. Yes. Loved I'm it. not kidding you, Scott. You we've never really talked about. It. I realized you and I've never really you, talked about this. You and I, as many heart to hearts as we've had, 
have never had the conversations about you Superman. Never have. Never have. Oh my! Well, first off, the first comic I ever owned was a Superman comic that I think I stole from my brother. There you go. Um, <laughs> so did you really own it then? Well, I, yeah, possession is nine tenths of the law, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so I owned it. But um, uh, yeah, when Superman, I mean, I can tell you, I took, mm. I went to Altama Village Triple Cinema to see it for the first time with my brother. Uh, we came out and I was blown away. I was blown away by that movie. Did you uh, believe a man could fly? I did believe a man could fly yeah. when I saw that. I remember missing Superman 2 at the theater because there was only one day that it was on the 99 cent special. <clears throat> and that's when mom took me and it sold out before I could get in. Wow. So, yeah. So uh, I, I didn't get to see it at the theater. I had to wait till it came on HBO and I was crushed by that. And I loved that movie. Uh, you know, we could, have, we could have a lengthy discussion about the fact that uh, contrary to popular opinion uh the lester cut is better than the donner cut period um absolutely <laughs> agree it's, absolutely it's, agree and and look i love the first superman i love richard donner's work but it, it there was a point in time when i was in college where i mean i just like was hit and this is i don't know 89 90 i was living by myself i guess at the time and i just was like i have not seen the superman movies in forever i've got to see the superman movies and you know you don't have streaming right so yeah. i literally searched all over town one day in tallahassee went to like every turtles every record bar every music Superman too, but by the end of the day, I did it. I mean, I rode all over town before I found two people who had them and and loved it. So that having been said, by fall of 91, we wind up on the set of Lethal Weapon 3, and we're hanging out with Dick Donner's assistant all day, uh, off and on. And Jeff he's John? like, okay, huh? Jeff Johns? No, no, it was uh, Jason Roberts is his name, actually. He's He was an assistant, uh, <clears throat> he was an assistant on uh, the Jurassic Park sequels that they've been doing. Um but he uh, he got us in with Donner, hmm. and Donner came and shook all of our hands, and uh, you know we all got to say a little something to him before he started holding forth. And all I could say as he shook my hand was, I just looked at him. He huge, tall guy, and I just looked up and I went, "I love Superman." That was <laughs> nice. My my main thing I ever said to Jeffrey uh, to to Dick Donner. The other thing was, uh, is it, who's writing this movie? Um, but yeah, so I you know Superman the movie and Superman two are vital parts of my yeah. my formative years superman 3 i saw at the theater i read the dc <laughs> adaptation a thousand times yeah. um i don't harbor a lot of ill will for it but i i, I don't love it like i love those first sure. two sure Did, I, what you I don't there? remember i don't remember much about superman 3 honestly i think i probably saw it one time so uh but superman 1 and 2 fantastic loved every minute of it and you know what it has been forever since i've watched those and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna force Mrs. Molinero to sit down, and we're gonna do a rewatch of Superman one and two at least to uh, to check that out because they were. I mean, I thought that was incredible. The the music, the just seeing a superhero like that was just it just blew me away. So yeah, I, I loved everything about Superman one and, and two and for sure. You know, it's funny because 
G-Man gets a lot of his movie taste from what I've exposed him to as a kid. And one of the things that we do, we'll, we'll just break into a spontaneous conversation about those first couple of Superman movies. And one of the things that always blows us away is how perfect Christopher Reeve is in the entire role. And by that, I mean, you should not be able to believe a six foot four thick and hunky guy is some gigantic nerd who's completely inept right. and incompetent. And you know what you do? Right. It's not just well, that you believe a man just can with fly, the dag on glasses. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, well, it's not just it's not just you will believe a man can fly, but it's you will believe that a man who can fly can fool other people into thinking he's an incompetent nerd. Watch uh if you do get a chance to watch it, Joey, watch um watch very closely after the flight scene that drags the whole movie down with him and Lois. The um the that that whole interaction, the whole flying date kind of ruins the 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 momentum of the movie but it's it's necessary and it's fun that it's there and you get to see them really show off the flying stuff and everything mm -hmm. but there's two things to watch for when she when he drops her off and she turns and says goodbye and he flies off it's a single cut there's no cutaway mm -hmm. following her from the outside of her balcony into her apartment to the door where clark is knocking and as she opens the door clark is there Mm -hmm. So they do, and all that's done through back projection. Like it's an amazing trick of the eye and it's an amazing thing they do that you don't think about. There's no cut there, but there's no cut there. And mm -hmm. then as he comes in and he's like, you know, I was just going to, I just decided, darn it, I'm going to show you a good time. And she's like, well, let me Maybe go, you know, of your life. And she goes and <laughs> that's gets Clark. Nice. Yeah. You know, she's going to get a jacket. And, and, and in that moment he takes off his glasses mm -hmm. and he straightens up. Yes. Yes. And he I says, Lois, that. there's something I have to tell you. And she comes out and says, what is it, Clark? And he's like, well, I, w I was. And he's putting, he's fumbling to put his glasses because he, he chickens out. He won't tell yep. her he's Superman. And he goes right back in. And so it's this little moment that is intentionally put there to show you, yes, this works. This can work, you know, given someone smart enough. And, and, and I don't know that anyone has done, you know, the George Reeves Superman is is really great and kind of a classic thing and and it and it to me it stands in a very special place and i like his clark kent i like this clark kent's not bumbling and silly but you can tell that that clark kent superman same thing with dean kane dean kane played a more george reeves style clark kent in the lois and clark but he, he kind of played what john byrne turned clark into yeah yeah for um, sure yeah it was john, that, it was that era john burns clark kent you know Christopher Reeves, Clark Kent would not play football. Right. You know, right. Uh, John Burns, Clark Kent, they made it a point to say he not only played, he was a football star. He was a football star. Yeah. yeah. Right. He yeah. was not the nerd. He was not the outcast. Right. right. But yeah. So look, and, and it's, I don't think it's unfair for people to, when you start talking about Superman casting in anything, to draw comparisons to Christopher Reeves. I just don't think it's unfair. I think that he was so earnest in that role and in, and <clears> such <throat> a, even Superman four, which I know is the much maligned Superman four. When you, when you see him at the end of that movie, talk about what earth means to him. And, and I, you know, it's like, he does it in such an earnest real way. You're like, he is Superman, you know? And he, he took very much, <clears throat> he took a lot of pride in a lot of, uh, he protected that character. Like he was very proud of that character and, and was very serious about that character. So much so that Tom Welling, when he was on, when Christopher Reeve guest starred on Smallville, 
Tom Welling said, you know, he pulled me over the side and he was telling me all about the Superman stuff in the comics. And Tom had never really read. He said, I said, hold on, hold on. I don't need to know this. I need to go <laughs> forward without this knowledge because I don't know what I'm going to become. But like he geeked out on Tom Welling about Superman, you know, and I just I Superman 78 DC did it. It's great. I think they're doing another volume starting <clears> in November. I think, and and I'm and like to the point. I I enjoyed it so much reading through that I'm, I'm looking forward to it again. Again, the art's a little inconsistent, but they're just great moments, and it's a it's a really well thought out and good Brainiac story. I'm glad to hear that because several years ago when they started the Batman '66 series, I was all gung ho for their doing that because I love the Batman '66 mm -hmm. series. And when I got the book, I just I didn't think it was it didn't quite hit it for me. Yeah. And so when Superman 78 came out, I said to myself, well, they'll probably do the same thing and just not, not yeah. quite get there for me. So the fact that you're saying it got there for you, that makes me happy. There there's a, the, the, I didn't read a, I read some of the Batman 66 and I feel like what they did with that is they, the thing about Batman, that Batman 66 is, is like, you know, at some point that it's campy, mm -hmm. but the people who are, it's Leslie Nielsen in airplane. <laughs> he, you know, he delivers every line with earnestness and seriousness. That's, and that's it's what funny the series all was. get out. And, yeah. and Batman and Robin, though, they're saying some outlandish things, you know, they're, they're taking Riddler's clues and they're making incredible leaps of logic. They do it with a straight face and not mm -hmm. even a wink at the audience. You know no. what I mean? And that's, what's great about it. Right. So I, I would say this before, before star Wars came out, the two things that I was really into as a little kid, I still remember I, I've got pictures of me sitting there on Christmas Day and, you know, playing with things on my birthday and all that were the Batman 66 shows and the, and the movie and Planet of the Apes. For some mm. reason, I love the Planet of the Apes, especially when the toys came out to go along with the movie, even though that movie is a little harsh for a little kid, but still mm. it was really cool. Um, so just like Christopher Reeve, is in my opinion, Superman and everyone else is a variation of that. I would say, and it's probably taken poorly by a lot of people. Adam West is Batman to me. And, you know, there's been some people, Michael Keaton was fun and uh, Bay, Christian Bale did an okay job and all that kind of stuff. But those are different kinds of Batmans. I particularly care for the campy, fun batman like that i'm i'm not into the even though it's called the dark knight all that kind of stuff i i don't the darkness doesn't do it for me i i prefer it to be fun i, I prefer it to be colorful i prefer it to be crazy kooky characters to go along with it so i don't know where you guys stand on batman but but that's my take on on the batman there was a there was a comic um that they did i forget who put it out but it was it was an adam west comic and and the premise of the comic is that Adam West somehow got to get into some kind of adventures. I, I I don't remember the premise of the story, but I remember that you it opens up with an older Adam West kind of reminiscing on some things, and basically one of the quotes as he's thinking, he's like, you know, I I was a caped crusader, and they all want a dark night now, you know. Nice. And and I love yeah. that line because that really is the difference between what Batman was, even with like the super friends and the Batman and Robin filmation cartoons, you know, he was a caped crusader, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and when the dark Knight kind of came about, you know, obviously DC had success with Frank Miller's dark Knight stuff and, 
And obviously there's a little bit of a, you know, getting back to the roots from the thirties and the early forties of Batman with that. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like you, but the thing I think that the, the Batman 66 comic does a little too much is it winks too much at the audience. Like there's too yeah. many. So, so it's, it's your comparison of Leslie Nielsen in airplane for the show and more like Leslie Nielsen in repossessed. Right. Or yeah. spy hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where he is just smirking and mugging for the camera. And right. it's exactly what you don't want him to do. Cause that's what makes it not funny. Yeah. Yeah. Or naked and gun so, 33 and a third. Right. Right. Yeah. So when, so Superman 78, there's not a lot of camp in it. There is some like Lex Luthor's calling himself the greatest, like he's coming up with these nicknames and finally Lois, there's a point where he and Lois are together. And Lois says, you need to can it with your, with yourself, aggrandizing nicknames, <laughs> you know? And he's like, duly noted. And he just goes on, you know, and it's like it, it so there's that spirit of it, but it's not so campy. It doesn't lean into Superman three mm -hmm. kind of camp because that's one of the issues. Superman three is especially to be a movie from the early eighties is not a bad, bad movie. No, no, it's, it's just not. because they brought Richard Pryor in. They thought, and it's, and Richard Lester, you know, had this comedic bent to him that he brought to Superman two and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted more of that in Superman three, because I think in his mind, much like Joel Schumacher with Batman forever and Batman and Robin, he thought this is a superhero show. It's supposed mm -hmm. to be kind of funny, you know? And, um, and I think a lot of that though, is that Batman 66 hangover. Yeah. Where yeah it, was, it was just kind sure. of comic stuff is silly. Yeah. Because and that, and that show was still in heavy syndication you know mm -hmm. in those days i mean i sure. watched a ton of batman uh from 1966 and syndication as a kid during those mm -hmm. days watched it every day yeah watched it every day it. when i was a kid uh you know for for joe you know <laughs> mine mine was star trek and and batman um mm. uh, and 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 planet of the apes was up there too for me but but my biggies were star trek and batman so I, those were the things i watched before star wars that was you know, there was a world before Star Wars. We don't mm -hmm. tend to remember that, but uh, we did well, have things that we loved before then. Well, Joe, right. you mentioned you mentioned playing the apes being heavy for a kid. There was a cartoon though, like they. Mm -hmm. I mean, much like yeah, Alien, yes, yeah, yeah, filmation again, right? <laughs> much like much like RoboCop and and Aliens, you know, and and Rambo for crying out loud, you know, mm -hmm. these these this property that was a little kind of like might be over the kid's head, you know, suddenly was being made for kids and pushed on kids. Of course, I don't know, like Planet of the Apes, did it come out before there were actually movie ratings? Because I, as I recall, I remember always seeing it just kind of being given almost a PG or G rating sometimes when you would mm -hmm. see it. In, all. Fact, in fact, I think Conquest was originally GP. Okay. Because before there was PG, there was GP. Are God's people? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I don't, Kurt I don't Franklin remember. General like, practitioner? Yeah, so, so I said general practitioner. No, um, it's, it was GP yeah. was just it was a parental guidance. It was PG, but it was for whatever reason they would call it. It was the original name of it was GP. Hmm. Well, Interesting. I I know that that I, you know but the thing is it's like of course that's going to capture kids' imagination. Mm. You know, monkeys ruling the world. Come on. Yeah, it was fantastic. I still my daughter who is twenty one, when she was in her teens she saw some of the the newer ones coming out and i said honey if you'd like these let's let's go back and watch the mm. originals she has them all on dvd now even even the really corny weird ones at the end um you know whatever however many there were 
She has all. Wait, 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 wait. Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Corny weird ones. Oh, Joe, we got to have a conversation. Well, there I mean, there's a... some odd storylines going on there. We've got to have some real was conversations. There not a, was there not a I television? still watched them all. Was there not there... a television show as well? Yes, or was it just the cartoon? there was. 1974, there was a one a half season. I think it lasted 13 episodes. Okay. Which, by the way, 13 episodes now was com- a complete season. Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. that's a scary That's a story gosh. arc. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that was a half season. They used to, you know, they they would uh they'd order 13 mm-hmm. and then if they got a full season order, they they'd pick they'd call it picking up the back nine. Because that was the you know, the completed season order gets you to 22. Right. right. But um yeah, they did 13, they did a half season, it was on CBS. And one of the interesting things about that is, you know, they used to take a lot of those shows and cut them into movies and mm-hmm. distribute them in Europe and and uh, in syndication as movies, for some reason, I guess an hour drama didn't really have a thing to, to that, that really got it over in syndication with certain exceptions like Star Trek, but uh, selling them as movies, they did the same thing with the Spider-Man series. Uh, if you remember, they cut it into movies. Yeah. And uh, they, that's, they how they, cut, that's how they packaged it on video later on down the road. Yeah. See? Yeah. And, but uh, as far as the apes go, they did 13 episodes. They did that, but the films, there were five films. There was Planet of the Apes. There was Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Then there was Escape from the Planet of the Apes, where uh, uh, Victor Newman yes. takes them in and has them, uh, uh, you know, tries to capture them and they, they, they escape baby? back to here to yep. the early 70s. And then the next one is spoiler alert, because I think we've had a few years to get past this, right? Yes. Okay. Zero and Cornelius get killed, and their son is yep. hidden away on a circus. And that's Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. That's the fourth one, and that's one a lot of people realize. It's one I don't like, but uh, it's the one where they kind of, you know, the apes rebel and all of that. And then the fifth one is Battle for the Planet of the Apes, and that's the one people really don't like, and I do like that one. Uh, But it's it's the one where, you know, the apes and the humans have to have kind of a, they they wind up having battles but get together, basically. And I think that one came out after the series. I have only ever seen that original Planet of the Apes and then the 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 newer stuff. Really? Oh, well, King King Tut tries to destroy the world in the second one. You'll love that. King Tut. Oh yeah. yeah Victor Bono from from yeah. Batman. Okay, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. Victor Bono and then the third the 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 third one Escape from the Planet of the Apes is kind of the Planet of the Apes the voyage home. Mm. Where they they escape to contemporary America. But now Charlton Heston isn't in all of them. First he is two. at the beginning and very end of the second one yep and that was the thing where he didn't want to do it and they're like come on we got a contract with you will you just show up for these two days of filming or whatever and so he's at the beginning and then they have uh basically a A cipher for him yep um they have uh uh, james franciscus i think plays um uh, i'm trying to remember his name now anyway james franciscus plays the taylor type character but it's not taylor charlton heston i believe yeah in the first movie was from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Ah, yeah, nice. I was I I personally always wanted to see about Rent. because there is there is not obviously a ton related to TV and movies in Indiana, but I thought how cool it would be to have a television and movie Hall of Fame in Indiana mm. to where you could put uh, Joyce DeWitt from Three's Company and Shelley Long from Cheers because they were from now, Indiana, put them in there, but then also shows like Stranger Things and the character from, you know, Planet of the Apes, put all <laughs> these things that were related to Indiana in 
a Hall of Fame related to Indiana. Yeah, that one, like one day at a time, for example. You have Ter Haute get eaten by mold. What? What in? Uh... They were, it was destroyed by mold in uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid in the late 30s. Oh, my gosh. Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. I Remember, he was going to destroy the entire country with mold, and he triggered the bomb <laughs> that set off the mold, and then they had the, the big thing of the of the country, and the, that part fell in as Steve Martin undid the, the bomb of the mold. And uh, as, Von Kluke, as Von Kluke falls <laughs> over dead, he says, at least we got Terre Haute, Indiana. And then... Uh, uh, Steve Martin's Rigby Reardon says, "Damn, they were just about to get a public library." Oh gosh, Terre Haute, we Terre Haute, yes, hot land—that's what it's called. Um, hey, were were either one of you guys fans of the show Frasier? Did you ever watch it much? I didn't dislike it. I just didn't watch it much. I so I, I watched through it. Um. It's been you mean like you saw through it, or was <laughs> yeah. No, I watched through the show. I did a watch through, mm. um, because I'd never watched it when it was originally airing. Okay. And so mm. when it was streaming, I did Cheers, followed immediately by Frasier, because oh. I never really watched either of those. Did you yeah. slide the Tortellis in there a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Carla, I was a, yeah. I was a no. I don't. Did, did they get a spinoff? Did Carla get a spinoff? No, the, the her, her yeah, Nick, the, her husband. Yeah, Nick did. did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. With yeah, the it lasted like girl. six episodes or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was, I was never really into Cheers because when it started, I was too young, mm -hmm. and so you know, as I got old enough to care, I'm like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> and so, and so, Frasier to me just always seemed a little too. Like, eh, I don't care, but, uh, I watched, it was good. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, so I, there's some great, I like, I like self-aware moments from time to time in TV shows like that. And so there's that one time where he dates the, where, where the character comes on and she was like a children's entertainer. Oh gosh. Yes. And, and she's talking to him. She's like, Oh, do you know how terrible she said? You can't imagine Frazier, how hard it is to play the same character for 11 years, just <laughs> all the time. And, and it's like, you know, and everyone kind of gives it a good laugh, but, the, but again, there's no winking at the camera or anything. It's right. like, literally, and he says, it must be horrible, you know? And uh, so that's one of the moments I remember I always like, and then of, of course, watching through after having watched cheers, I'm like, I always like the episodes when people from cheers would show sure. up, you know? Sure. So, the, I, the only the, reason I brought it up is because Paramount plus his new Frasier came yeah. out. I watched the first two episodes last night. Um, it, it's not going to, I doubt it's going to be the quality of the last show, but I was a huge Frasier fan. I was a huge mm -hmm. Cheers fan, followed by Frasier. Um, so I, I'm excited to see where it goes, but obviously going in knowing it's probably not going to reach those heights of what I watched in the past, but just thought yeah. I would ask. You know, it's it's probably the same thing. You'll go, and I read a review of the show that was just horrid in USA Today yesterday, but um, it's probably the same thing that I felt like with the Night Court revival. Um, I gave, I, I gave every single episode of that night court revival a shot because I just kept thinking mm -hmm. one day, maybe they'll give me a little bit of that old magic. But one thing I've, I've, I learned was that comedy today, they have so many more rules today as to what is and is allowed to be funny that it just can't work anymore. Um, the, the things that we thought were funny, we're correct. They were funny. <laughs> They're still funny, 
Um, but you're not allowed to do, and it's funny because you're not like allowed, you're, you're not told that you can't think those old things are funny, but you can't think new things like that are funny anymore. Right. And so, uh, the night court thing did a lot. I mean, look, a lot of the humor of night court came from just the complete lecherousness of Dan Fielding, who now spends the entire revival pining for his late wife. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, look, isn't that really what they weird? do? Isn't that what they do though with a lot of the 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 reboots and the newer stuff? It's like they take the characters that we knew and loved, and they're like, "Well, let's strip them down and make them huh. sad and pathetic, and uh, and and then <laughs> like the new people because the new people are going to be so much better and smarter, and mm -hmm. and they're everything that our old characters need, mm -hmm. and you know, and and so." Oh yeah. Well, I that mean, sounds yeah. familiar. The premise of the night court thing yeah. is that Harry's got a daughter <laughs> and yeah. the daughter that we've never heard of who is of the age. I mean, she's, you know, Melissa Roush is about 40. So, you know, you start doing the math. You're like, well, that had to have happened during the show. When will that have happened? And then she talks about, you know, being raised by him and growing up and him being so influential on her. It's like, when, what, what are you talking about? But she comes into the show and saves Dan. Yeah, Dan right. needs to be saved. Right. But see, Scott, there's your there's your continuity stuff again. Mm -hmm. Like you can't look, it's just a cartoon. You can't worry about when the funds <laughs> and them did you know, that's you can't worry about when he had a kid with her, even though he was single that whole time and everything was going, you know. Um the, the thing I I look at and, and see some of these things, and it's just like these shows did come to an end. You know, they they mm -hmm. had many of them had logical if you're going to revive a show mm. they should have done a better alf revival than what they did um i liked the movie i the project I, I, alf yeah but the family wasn't there and everything you oh, know but i i liked it yeah um but i'm just <laughs> project saying like, alf i'm just like, gonna stop the show for a minute and say i never thought on rule the galaxy i would hear us have a discussion about project alf it's a just, space movie yeah <laughs> it's a space movie Anyhow, I, I just think that there's a lot of times when they're they're bringing back these. I think it points to the lack of creativity. One hundred percent in in quote unquote Hollywood. I think that you know it it, it does point to hey I, they're all trying to be safe, you, you know, mm -hmm. with, with these things. And so, but then in their safety, they come in and they're like, well, wait, we've got to have a we can't be funny like we used to be funny. Look, there's some things on Cheers. Between mm -hmm. Sam and Diane, and between some things that were said back and forth that could mm -hmm. never be said today. Nope. I mean, there's one point where like Sam and Diane are like fighting, like mm -hmm. literally like, like slapping. Yes. And you couldn't do that today. No. Guys, if you want to hear something really weird, you think a show from the 80s, there's things you can't do. My wife still loves to have friends on in the background while we're just doing stuff. I never really cared for the show. There's a few. I really like Matthew Perry's character, but I didn't really care for the show that much. But some of the dialogue they have, you couldn't even do that in a show today. And that show is shown every day on television. Yeah. I don't mm -hmm. know how they still keep it on because I watch and I'm like, oh, you just said that. I'm not sure you can say that anymore. I mean, but, I can say it. Some people can't. Yeah. But, you know, you, you want to talk about how Hollywood doesn't quite get it. And Steve was kind of going there with this. If you watch that Night Court revival, the sets look amazing. It looks just right. 
the audience laughter sounds right. You know, <laughs> it, it looks and feels right. It's only when the characters show up and start saying stuff that you go, this ain't my night court. <laughs> right. they, they got all the wrong things right, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. I, well, oh, yeah, go ahead, Steve. You know, is uh, that's kind of the nature of all of these reboots and remakes and continuations. You know, they get all the wrong things right. And, and, mm-hmm. and so you get a little nostalgia bomb here or there, and then you're expected to just ride that wave and accept everything else. And, and that's, listen, you know, if it, since it's rule of the galaxy, I'll bring that over to. That's where the, we're going. The You've Ahsoka, been laying the groundwork for it. So go ahead. The, the Ahsoka <laughs> series. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I enjoyed the Ahsoka series for what it was, you know, but there were a lot of people giving that show a pass based on strictly nostalgia, especially once Hayden Christensen was on the scene. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and look, it really neat to see him live action again. I'm glad, you know, obviously everyone always loved Hayden Christensen. No one ever had a problem with him. We're also glad to see him back. And that's it. Do I, and look, I'm very what? bothered. I know. Listen, I I'm very bothered by that attitude. I'm very bothered by these people. Who are like, I'm yeah. so glad to see Hayden Christensen. Back. You mean the, you the people who who were trying to destroy him back in the day? Yes, or, you yeah. hated Hayden Christensen. Yeah, the same people who were like, I'm so glad Ahmed Beth got redeemed. Yes, it's like you don't. You were you were part of the problem. You yeah. You weren't in the trenches fighting for Jar Jar's integrity like some of us were. Right, right, and and so. Don't bring your nostalgia bombs and think that that makes the whole show okay because it mm-hmm. does not. Now, there are some good things about the show. There's some not so great things about the show. Overall, it's like a lot of the Star Wars television series have been. It was mediocre at best for the for the most part. But when it was really good, yeah, it was really good. When there were really big moments, yeah, they were really big moments. But that doesn't save the overall show. They get all the wrong things right. I love that statement. I, I think that's true of, of a lot of the the stuff we've kind of had shoveled our way in, in recent years. Can, it's, I, it's... can I tell you something sad? Go ahead. Uh, this is the first of two star Wars podcasts I'm going to be on today. And I have yet to watch an episode of Ahsoka. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I I just have to, I'm, this is a serious question. Mm-hmm. It's on once a week it is available streaming. Are you really, really that busy? Do you, you don't want to give it a shot yet? Or what are you waiting to watch it for? Me? Um, yeah. No, what, what it is, what it is, is um, what had happened was I was, um, I was in the middle. I started this a while back and Steve knows this. I started finally watching through Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And uh, because when Clone Wars came out, I, I saw the movie at the theater. I paid, uh, took G-Man with me, little tiny G-Man. And, um, you know, and when the show came on, I think I watched the first couple episodes and it just was kind of one of those things. Where I just did not have time, especially I think when it first came on, it was on like Friday nights. Yeah, it was on weird times. Nine yeah, or 10 o'clock on Friday do. night, right? Um, but I came, I yeah, during football season, I can't do that. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, Joe. I am. But um, Most Friday nights, yes. Yeah. And some Sundays, some and Saturdays. Some, all Saturdays. Some Wednesdays. Some Saturdays. Now Thursdays. <laughs> but anyway, um, I bought all the Blu-rays. I just never got around to watching it all. And every so often I'd try to watch it and I just never, never could sit with it. And then once I got that stationary bike and I could actually sit down and, you know, pedal, which I knew I had to pedal 
I could actually sit and watch some of the stuff. So I've been catching up and watching through and it became kind of obvious as Ahsoka got in the, on the horizon that I probably need to watch all of Clone Wars. And then mm -hmm. I think Shaz or Steve or both suggested, Hey, not only do you need to watch all of Clone Wars, but you need to watch through Rebels too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, great. There's another thing I got to do. So uh, I am almost at the end of season six of Clone Wars. So I'm when I finish that, I'll go to Rebels and then I'll watch Ahsoka after that. So you but I will say seven. that I just huh? You gotta watch season seven. Well, yeah, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna finish. I'm gonna oh, finish okay. Clone Wars. Is what I'm saying. I'm just very okay. close to it. I just finished the story, the two parter with Jar Jar and his love. Yeah, which mm. I was. I loved that yeah. because yeah. it was just it was fun. It was Jar Jar being Jar Jar. Um, he was, was playing off. He Mace Windu was in that one, wasn't he? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing is Jar Jar had a straight guy to play off of. Yes. You know, like his his comedy had someone who played it straight laced to, to yeah, play Qui-Gon with him. Yeah. Which which is something he didn't really get to have too much of in the Phantom Menace. You know, because he, he, he had he was, when he, he played was, off of off of Qui-Gon, it was good. Right. But then but most of the time he was with Anakin after that, you know, mm. or or by himself, just as kind of yeah. a side character on the screen making a joke. Or with more gungans. He was with yeah, yeah. A lot of Gungans. Gungans. yeah. Um, so when when you're rewatching the Clone Wars, I do have to ask every single episode, are you watching them in chronological order or are you just watching them straight through? Okay, you use the you prefix re. Uh okay. I have when you're never watching watched... when you're watching the Clone yeah. Wars, are you I'm watching, watching every episode in episode, season, and number order. Yes. Wow. Okay. So and and I'm I'm late stages of season six, then I'll go straight to season seven. Uh, and then I'll hit Rebels, and then I'll be ready for Ahsoka. Okay. Season, Not before then. Season six, that was the stuff that came to Netflix first. That was the Netflix season, yeah. Um, Yoda with Darth Bane. Yeah, I think there's still some George Lucas influence and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it was leftover scripts and everything. It was, it was. Yeah. Seven's and all there. the Yoda stuff at the end of the season is A number one. Good. Um, I may watch that today on my bike ride. And then season seven was that mostly the Ahsoka stuff, Joe? I... It was. Uh, it was the Bad Batch for four episodes. It was okay. Ahsoka with the Martez sisters for four episodes, and then I believe the and the last uh, four were like the episode three Mandalore, yeah, the, thing. where yeah. it crossover with Revenge of the Sith, yeah. which yeah. I think, man, I know somebody's done it. I haven't watched it. Somebody's oh, cut layered it together. those together. Yeah. Yeah. I need to check that out. Which, uh, you know, I would say, Scott, honestly, just watch those last four episodes of season seven. Like, you know, save yourself. Some, uh, unless you just feel like you're invested and you got to be a completist. You know, uh, Well, come on now. <laughs> have you seen his bookshelves behind him? Come on now. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about here? Unless you just have to be a completist. I would just hit those last four episodes. But I'll tell you this as well. Rebels is going to feel like a you're going to get whiplash mm -hmm. with, the, with it because rebels immediately goes back to what the clone wars was in the early days, like trying to figure out the fullness of what it is. Yeah. It's a little more, it's got a little more of its identity figured out, but it still plays to kind it of is. like it, it, it dumbs it down at first. It seems like yeah. for, for a more childlike audience, but I, and I thought and I was, ramps. It, I really did. I thought going into rebels, I just was not going to like it. And I ended up really, really enjoying the whole, I watched show. I watched the first season of that back in the day, and I think I got into the second season up until the Jaws episode. Mm -hmm. And um, but yeah, I, I and I'll rewatch all of that because I don't have a great grasp of it. What I do remember is I remember liking the production design. Yep. You know, going 
really hardcore Macquarie, which they hadn't mm -hmm. really done before. And the other thing I remember is how cheap I remember it looking because it was like the same three people in yeah. the background all the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> that is, that is, I love Clone Wars, but like most people, I didn't take it in initially. Um, I took it in once it came to streaming. And then I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I never watched this. I really need to check it out. Loved it, but there was plenty of stinker mixed in with great. There was some things where you're like, oh, that was an interesting 22 minutes I just spent. Um, but but the good parts, like we talked about with the Disney series, the good parts were really good parts. Uh, the, the Satine storylines, a lot of Ahsoka storylines, things like that really got deep, really got interesting. Um, and I think they finished well with that Mandalore. That was a fantastic ending for that series. But Rebels, like you mentioned, Steve, I went into that first season going, okay, in my mind, it was going to be Resistance before I knew what Resistance was. And then every time, every season after, it kind of took it up. Yeah, it, it really it up, does a good job. Took it yeah. up every time. It does a good job of ramping up during the season. I'll, and, and two, and Scott, I know you hate Thrawn. Um, <laughs> and so so you'll you'll hate him when he, he spoiler alert, he shows up on Rebels. I, I, yeah, I know he does. But I, and I don't hate Thrawn. I just hate. I hate the over-reliance in the books on that stupid art gimmick. Yeah. Cause it just well, is dumb. I was thinking last night, I've been, I've been trying to finish up better call Saul. Um, well, you know, the animation gets a lot better in that one towards the end. Better call Saul. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and of course I watched breaking bad when it was on, but I was thinking, you know, Thrawn comes off too much as, and and the and the Rebel Force Radio guys have made fun of this, you know, like if something goes wrong, he's like, it's okay, it's all according to plan, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what, Thrawn really should be come off more as a Gus, as a Gustav Fring. And I don't know if you guys have watched Breaking Bad or or Better Call Saul, but Gus Fring is this unassuming guy who runs a chicken restaurant, like literally runs a fried chicken place. And he's very buttoned up, very neat. You you would never think that he is, you know, number one meth smuggler dealer, you know, for the cartels in the world. And when he starts to plot and plan, it's terrifying. And mm -hmm. and it's never, oh, this has failed. That's okay. It all plays in our plan. It is that my plan is going to be what comes to fruition. No one is going to thwart my plans. And he's well, cold and he's calculating. And Thrawn doesn't have, and when he, and so you're scared of Gus mm -hmm. uh, throughout both of these shows. And, 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 and that's what Thrawn needs to be. Someone that you're actually <clears throat> scared of. And, and I puts, never feel that fear of him. Who puts together a plan, a vital part of which is failing six <laughs> times. Right. Exactly. I, that, yeah, yeah. That is a weird thing. And, and guys, is it, do they make it? Do they want to make it to where you don't feel like, I mean, when you feel like Vader walks in a room, 99 out of 100 times, you feel like he's going to win, right? And well, and butt cheeks clinch. Yes. Right, so, do right. they say we want to make an an enemy that's different than that? Well, sure. Or yeah. I mean, yes. It it's it's the idea of we can't have Vader look weak by losing to this band of rebels. You know, week after week, Vader has. And the, the thing rebels does well is when Vader shows up. Oh, it's scary, and you know, you know, stuff has gotten real. And, um, and that's great. And that's good. The problem is 
is you never feel like the heroes are really backed into a corner until the very end of the series, you know, when everything's kind of coming to fruition with Thrawn and all. But yeah, it it's an it's an interesting thing because that in itself has let has lent to me when Thrawn showed spoiler alert, though it was in trailers and everything, when Thrawn shows up in the Ahsoka series, I'm just not as scared of him as I should be, you know? Mm-hmm. And because the characterization I think has been a little bit off. And I think especially when you go to live action, you know, that he can have that kind of um Gus Fring attitude about him. You so know? here's here's something that I will say. One of the things that I made comments about <clears throat> Ahsoka, and we're not gonna get too deep in the story for you, Scott, so you don't have to worry about it, but it's more of a characterization thing. I thought they hit it out of the park with Sabine. I thought the Sabine character was a very good Sabine. I thought the Ezra played and seemed like a very good Ezra. Yeah, I thought um, he was better than Ezra. I yeah, I think yes, it, it I think um, with you. I'm, I was a little nervous whether or not Rosario Dawson could take the mantle from Ashley Eckstein because again, when you pound out Clone Wars and you see her in Rebels, you start thinking that is Ahsoka, right? Mm-hmm. But I would say she's done a fairly good job, and it's believable for her to be Ahsoka in this series. The one that we all discussed, and and Scott, you'll see it soon enough, that the first two episodes we were like, whoa, this this wasn't a hit, was Hera. I felt her look and how she portrayed her was not her. But by the end of the series, honestly, I was like, okay, she's transformed. She's better. This is Hera. But would, would you agree with any of those comments, Steve, since you've watched it through? Hera? Yeah, I mean it it's just it's a hard thing to translate it is. from an animated type thing to live action especially because one of the one of the things that really throws me off is the eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 eyes on because the characters are so stylized and they're animated characters, you know, and they've got that kind of Disney big eye thing going on, you know, in in the series to see normal eyes on these things was kind of, I had to realize that's what's really throwing me off right? with a lot of these, just the, just the look and feel. Um, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with some of the characterizations that a lot of people had in the way that the the characters were portrayed um, early on that, that I know a lot of people, because I felt like I did feel like obviously some people have gone through some stuff, you know, the problem is, and Scott, I can't, I'm really anxious for you to watch it because I know that you have such a good mind for script writing and storytelling and everything that you will be able to put into words better than I can. The frustration of you've had all this stuff happen and you keep it in the dark. And then when it's finally explained, it's really not that big a deal. It could have been handled way up front. And we as the audience could have been on this journey with these characters in a better way than we were yeah yeah. you know and i and and i think and people don't want to hear that and that's that's kind of the other thing that's kind of bothersome about this series is that the people who want to love it and think it's great that's fine i don't have a problem with that but the minute you offer any legitimate criticism not saying it sucks or you hate it but just saying look i think this would have been better this characters would have been better suited the story would have been better suited had this information been given at this point in time people are like well you don't understand mystery storytelling you got to have a you got to keep suspense in mystery you know ben but, kenobi but not the ultimate 
but none of yeah. the ultimate reveal is unfulfilling. Right. That's the thing. It, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, mm. it was something that could have easily been talked about in discussion early on. Sabine and Osoka have a little bit of a rift between them and that's never fully explained or explored until like the last episode of the series. And it's like, put up front what the problem is so we can understand their motivations and understand what a big deal it is for them to reconcile with one another. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we're along for that ride and what people like to do. And this, and look, since we're talking star Wars, let's just go down this path. I am really over these, these fans. And this is going to sound like gatekeeping, but by God, someone should have kept the gate a long time ago. Yeah, they should. Have. I am, I am really over these fans who have liked star Wars for the past 10, 15 years, trying to take the original trilogy and crap on it to elevate the things that they think they love. Yes, sir. There is no clone wars. There is no Ahsoka. There is no Mandalorian. There is no book of Boba Fett. There is no force awakens last Jedi or rise of Skywalker without star Wars empire strikes back and return of the Jedi. And and if and so you what what must happen amongst fandom is to put those stories in their proper reverential place because they are the pinnacle of Star Wars. Yep. They are what everything spins out of. And if you try to get off page or off book from that too much, you end up like so many of these EU books used to end up, like so many of these different things, you just end up in this place. It's like it's just not good because it's not Star Wars. Right. And 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 you can you can t discuss how you love someone something without crapping on the very foundation upon which these things are built. The House of Ahsoka is built on Star Wars, or A New Hope, as as the as the newbies call it, you know. But it'll always be Star Wars: Empire and Return of the Jedi to me. Like you know, Star Wars was always Star Wars. Yep. You yeah. know. And, well, yeah, and and you get that. I mean, you know, if we're gonna go there, let's go there. You get that in the Ray thing where Ray just picks up a lightsaber and beats Kylo Ren in a fight. And, um, you know, you get, well, Luke Skywalker just destroyed the Death Star in one day. Isn't that pretty stupid, isn't it? It's like, no, it's actually explained in the film. You choose <laughs> to ignore it and you choose to be reductive right. because, you know, you're trying to make a point, but your point is to crap on the original instead of justifying the existence of what you have. Right. Yeah, l listen. There, there are two. There's three important lines of dialogue to explain to you what Luke's doing mm -hmm. in that in that trench and why he's able to do it. One, uh, well, four important lines of dialogue. One, I understand you've become quite a pilot yourself. Boom. Two, you know what? We don't have to sit in here and listen to this. I can fly. This, you know, well, who's going to get a ship? Kid, you or who's going to pilot the ship? Kid, you. That I could. Three, it's just like bullseye, bullseye. bullseye Wait, back up, back up. Rat. Oh, yep. I'm back, sorry. Back up. There's what another one. Miss? You know. I could see, I could feel something. I could oh, almost see right, the remote. Right, right. Because I'm he's learned about, to stretch yeah. out with his feelings. Yeah. It's just bulls, it's like bullseyeing romp rats in my T16 back home, you know? Yep. And then Big says, just like Beggar's Canyon, mm -hmm. you know? So these are things that are familiar to Luke. Piloting is something he's used to. And add on to that, he's learning to use the force. <laughs> and Ben Kenobi is in his heart and mind and ear saying let go reach out trust the force i'm he gonna says let go and you know where else he says let go when he's doing the training remote when he's doing the training remote, let go your conscious self and mm -hmm. act on instinct so he is he's evoking that moment when luke was able to reach out through the force 
Yeah. So you guys have just brought up all those good lines. And I'm not here to crap on the sequels. Everybody knows. They're not my favorite. They're Star Wars. And I will watch them. That's where they are. But you just brought up all these five or six lines and five or six reasonings as to why Luke could do what he did. But a lot of sequel fans are perfectly okay with Ray never being in the Millennium Falcon before and flying it, and Ray being able to do the things she's been able to do, but there's no one in her head. There's no one giving her the line saying, oh, have you flown this before? Oh, have you? when did you train with this before? Or, oh, you know how to battle somebody with a lightsaber before? N none of those are brought up one time in that movie at all. We're supposed to infer from the fact that Ray is a junker um, that she understands the workings of a starship and is able to pilot one. And she has a little bit of a rough go at it at first with, with mm -hmm. the Falcon when they're getting away from the TIE fighters and everything. She is competent in hand-to-hand -hand combat as we see when she takes her, you know, her staff. rod and, and yeah, mm -hmm. her staff and knocks down some folks. But to master a lightsaber against a bigger, stronger foe who is able to use the force and control the force. Yeah. You know, she should have been dead. Um, you know, Kylo Ren was toying with both of them and, and truthfully, yeah, you know, there's an earthquake that kind of breaks the two of them sure. apart, you know, so she can get away, but there was a lot I just accepted in that thing thinking, well, it'll get better. It'll get better. And then it honestly, it didn't, you know, and, and again, go back to what I said earlier. It's, it, it's that trend of here's our heroes that you love. Look how terrible they are. Mm -hmm. They have can't, you, they've just and made they a need mess the kids of everything. To save them. Have yeah. you guys seen the TikTok about the guy who walks into the boardroom talking about the, the original trilogy characters? No. Oh gosh. Mm -hmm. Alfie sent it to me. I'm going to forward it to you. It's, hilarious guy walks in he goes what do you love what do you love kill it what do you love you like this kill right. that and he just starts yelling at the board <laughs> and and everything else i'm going to shut my door because my dogs are barking you guys keep going one second mm. great it's our show now scott that's good that's the way i've needed it to be anyway we've talked um, superman we've talked cartoons what, what? <laughs> you know i have this nutty idea for i sent you that thing the other day that i have a nutty idea for a new podcast yeah and I don't know if I should reveal it here or not, but I don't know well, that I'll actually do it. Do? That's true. I don't know that I'll actually do it, but the, the premise, uh, I bounced off Ryan the other day and Ryan liked it. So of I figured if Ryan liked it. Ryan, Ryan loves a good podcast. podcast. Yeah. No, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan's got a very good ear for podcasts though. I get probably because he listens to so many of them, mm -hmm. but he's got a good ear for good premises and good podcasts. Here's my, here's my premise for a podcast. I would call it audiobooks They'll never make. <laughs> And I started this because uh, I was, I'm trying to remember exactly where the idea came from, but it was, I was looking at, oh, I, the idea came from originally when Heart of the Jedi came out, I want to record that. And I still want to record that. Um, I still want to put that out chapter by chapter, Heart of the Jedi. You remember Heart of the Jedi, right? I don't Steve Frozen, or is he frozen? Heart of the Jedi is that, that novel that, uh, that uh, uh, Del Rey contracted during the early days of the star wars publishing revival they made and, it but uh, didn't make it right and never published it yeah. Kenneth C. flint yeah 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 and uh somebody somebody commissioned a cover and released it on amazon on like a you know publish uh okay. on demand type thing and uh it got yanked pretty quickly but not before not several before people snatched up i got my hands on too 
So, cause I wasn't going to take a chance cause I knew it was going to get yanked. But, uh, I, when that first came out, I thought, well, there'll never be an audio book of that. And I should do an audio book for it. And, um, started working on it, but just kind of fell off of it. And then I was thinking, you know, we did that Indiana trip and on our way to the airport, we had about two hours to kill. So we stopped by a half price books. And at the half price books, I found a copy of the novelization. And you know how I am about novelizations, the novelization of the pink Panther, uh, no, the return of the pink Panther. Wow. Um, which is the one with Christopher Plummer taking over David Nimmin's role as the phantom, Sir Charles Lytton. And I thought, you know, that's another one that they will never, ever, ever make an audiobook of because why would they? And then I was sitting in the room and all that was still in my head. I was sitting in the office and somehow my eyes fell upon this. Oh, not again. We... The Howard the Duck novelization. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, they'll never make an audiobook of that. And it kind of clicked of with not. me. Well, if they don't, somebody should. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, you do a podcast where you record, you know, you release a chapter of a book every of some book that they've never, you know, and basically you don't do it for a profit. And if they tell you to yank it, you yank it. Yeah. No harm, no foul. But uh, yeah, I just thought, you know, there's a bunch of these books out there that people are nerdy about that they love. Scott, it'll never be audiobooks. Scott, how long is a chapter of the Howard the Duck novelization? Uh, the first chapter is like 15 pages. You could sit down in an evening and read a chapter, mm -hmm. record it, and just be done and do it and don't even do it daily. Do it weekly. Like I agree. I want to hear know. it now. I need voices though. Well, the first, well, the, the thing about it, the first chapter is like a voice of God character in there. So I'd have to put a little echo to it. So it would take a little bit of production value to it, but not, yeah, but lot. you don't, I mean, you know, most audiobooks there's a little bit of production there, maybe a little mm -hmm. original music to kind of start the thing out. But by and large, it's just the reader sitting there reading mm. you the story <laughs> and doing voices like your parents used to when they'd read you books. Yes. And and you could do that. Yeah, just That's it's just a matter you. of time. You don't need any help. No, just time. I, I didn't ask for help. I'm just saying, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I don't have the voice to do it. You know, actually, there was a, oh, should I even talk about this? Um, we've even, got time. So did I even talk, talk about, about it? Yeah. This is the most time I've ever been on a rule the galaxy show. <laughs> wow. Joey Marinara is like, he is loving his life right now. This yeah, is the most laid back I've ever seen him do anything. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to be relaxed, Steve. <laughs> trying to be relaxed. All right. That that right. chair is swiveling a little bit more and more as the time goes on though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it. Um, I got approached. This is another thing I think that kicked that idea into gear. Um, I got approached a couple of weeks ago by a guy. This um, is getting dark right now. I'm just yeah, saying. I got not I wasn't it wasn't like in an alley or anything. What time of day was it? Was a bathroom yeah. anywhere, public restroom <laughs> under the pier. park you or anything. Under the pier, yeah. But no, we're Massingale Park here, Steve. You should know that by Ooh, now. Lord, not Massingale. Yes. But um I got approached by a guy. It was on Friday night while we were doing a football game. And um he sent me a, note, a Facebook messenger note, and uh, I don't, I don't know that I should say his name because he actually is somebody who has done some things. No, no, just go okay. on. Just, and I looked at the guy. Just anyway, the he was content. like, uh, uh, you know, I love Star Wars. I've always loved Star Wars. Um, I have done some things in the Star Wars field, we'll say, and um, uh, I, I thought it would be a neat idea to start a podcast where people. Uh, Talk well, about this is the their... guy that stole your story, willing to steal your podcast idea. 
Yeah, you told me about this. He told me, well, he he suggested first uh, that could he be a guest on it? And I was thinking, sure, you know, because he found my Star Wars stories, what the, the deal was. Mm -hmm. And he wondered if I was going to be doing any more of them because I haven't done one in maybe two years. And uh, so his first question was, could I be a guest? His second question was, uh, could I be your co-host? His third question was, could I take it over? And <laughs> wow. If I make any money off of it, give you a little bit of it. And uh, which was a little forward, I thought. Yeah. I mean, I guess forward. you know, you don't fault somebody for asking, but it's like, hey, can I take this thing away from you that you slaved over? Um, and then the wow. weird thing was that Steve and I had had some conversations about how to move forward with my Star Wars story. And I think I like the conversations that we had. I think I like the direction that that I think I'm gonna go with it because and it will come back just at some point. We'll see. Um <laughs> But, um, you know, I do have plans. I told him I do have plans for it. Yes. And I appreciate your asking. And I would love to have you on as a guest sometime because he does have some real honest to goodness Star Wars credentials. I'll just say his bona fides, if you will. Nice. And um, so he would be an interesting guest, but then he never responded again other than, okay, thanks. Hmm. And so I don't know that his desire to be a guest was actually a desire. He was to be not yet. He was not he concerned with being a guest. Yeah. No, no. He wanted to take over the show. Yeah. 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 So again, I, I, that's, that's as much of the story as I will tell, but yeah, it was a little, it was a little off putting to have somebody just come to you and go, Hey, this thing that you really put so much of yourself into, I'd like to snatch it away from you if you don't mind. Now, and the weird thing is, it's like, I don't own the concept. No, right? can name it a name different name. Logo. But now, but. now put yourself in a position where you're dealing with some stuff in life. You've stepped away from podcasting. You don't know when you're going to get back to it if you do, because you've got to figure life out. You're at a crossroads mm -hmm. and you get an email that says, Hey, why don't we, we would love to buy geek out loud from you. <laughs> did you get one of those? Yeah, man. Did you really? I did take the money and how, run. How much did they offer? They didn't offer anything. I didn't get into talks with them. They were oh, like, wow. they wasn't even buy. Let me say this. It was in the early days of buying. So it wasn't, we'll buy it from you. It was like, we'd like to do this show. Can we have oh. this show? Can we have this show? Yeah. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Thanks though. Thanks for your interest and your compassion. Well, you, well, Geek Out Loud was, I mean, it was always on the front page back in the day. It was always on the front page of the Apple <clears throat> yeah. podcast. Thing. It, was it was because always... there was a, there was a boom of reviews and ratings mm -hmm. slept. And so I would stay completely, you know, up there because, you know, there weren't celebrities and mm. uh, golly, the, yeah. Every, everybody from every everyone. show that's ever been canceled, doesn't do a podcast about the show and rewatch right. show. And, yeah. and that, but also there weren't, um, uh, consultants emailing you saying, Hey, we can do this. Let's get you hooked up with this person. Let's get like, mm. it has literally become, radio consultant Gooblin out in out in podcasting because you have all these different media groups that have sprung up and want to help you make your mm -hmm. podcast a success and, and that's a shame because that was part of the charm of podcasting to me yeah. well that's why that's why i haven't done that with anybody you know like i've not responded to any of these emails like we can get you hooked up with this interview or that interview your pot your podcast would be great for this person and what i want to email them back and say sorry joe is Listen, I'm a conservative white Christian male. Do <laughs> do you still have the perfect guest for my show? Oops. 
darn. Wow. Cause it was, it was going to be how bad Trump is going to be for geekdom. So That's no, right. I'm sorry. We don't have that for right. you, man. Well, it was nice having a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a fun, uh, myself, D-Doc, Alfie, Brent, we sit and we talk about topics related to our show and what we're going to do, and we just sit there and go, you know what, it's it's just going to be four or five guys sitting around talking Star Wars. That's pretty much it, mm-hmm. and if we get 10 people listening or if we get a 1,000 people listening, that's what it's going to be, and... <clears throat> You know, and you want like, to do what you want to do. What's going to entertain you? You want to do what's pretty going to be much fun it. for yes. you. And, Some, but, yeah. yeah. You know, and and one other thing, I will tell you, for a second there, I thought, well, maybe I bring this guy in as a partner because he can help me get some of the stuff done. And I did, I did that thing that I do when I hire people for work. And I went and checked out the Twitter feed, checked out the social media footprint, mm. and um, what I saw on the social media footprint was. And I, you know, and I hate that Steve's occupied right now because I think this is a, a, por- a part of the discussion he could contribute to. So maybe I should, maybe I should hold off a bit. Well, I'll tell you what, in, while, but... while he's busy with that and while we put yeah. a pause on that, I will say Brent, you know, regular co-host here with me on Really Galaxy. Yeah. He and I, in um, September, we we hosted Trivia Night, as, as mm-hmm. you usually do, Scott. We did that. Oh, yeah. Here on the south side of Indy, we had a great time. We have another one coming up next week, so we're really excited. So we we are scheduled to do once a month: September, October, November, December. Oh, cool! It's been good. Brent, Brent, and I learned a lot from the first time, and we're we're excited to do this for the you know once a month for the for the rest of the year. It's it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. But uh, but anyway, we were filling the gap uh, while hmm. you were away there, Mister Mister Glosson. So go yeah, ahead, Mister Rifen. Yeah, because I was Sorry I was going to say. I, I had given this guy, you know, I was going to give this guy a little consideration and maybe, maybe you bring him on as a partner, get some things done because I don't sometimes have time to do everything and get it all done. Part of my issue. Um, and I said, you know, maybe, maybe that's the thing. And, uh, and I did that thing. I do when I hire people, I checked out a social media footprint and what I saw was, um, a lot, we'll just say a lot of the over-reliance on identity. How's that? Uh, as a as a topic of interest and fixation and discussion, yeah. Um, and and look, I've already had my Star Wars story ripped off from me once hmm. um, by Lucasfilm. By Lucasfilm, and yeah. yes, uh, <laughs> and Jordan Hembro, who I'm 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 sure is a very nice man, but he he was very well aware of the of the uh, podcast because he'd been approached to be on it early in the in the podcast. Uh, I had you know I had somebody who was a guest on pod, on the podcast who had who was working for Lucasfilm at the time they launched their Our Star Wars Stories feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never did a second season of Our Star Wars Stories. And I think part of it is I think it was a fail. And the reason I think if it was a fail was because it was less about people's personal stories with regards to the material and more about identity, identity, identity. Uh, it was more about put me in this box and check this box and then put me in this box and check this box and it wasn't really about people's love and passion for Star Wars. It was, it was, they put a Star Wars mask on people's identity politics stories. Uh, and so I think it was a bit of a fail. And I think if I had, if I had brought in this other guy as a partner, it would have become that. And I didn't want it to be that. I don't want it to be that. Also being a 
the, that show being a podcast that was you know sanctioned and everything by Lucasfilm, mm-hmm. I imagine there would have been things they wanted to focus on, you know, with each story. Like, tell us how much you love the Clone Wars. Tell us how much you love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know the future of what Star Wars is going to be. And, you know. And by the way, we're about to introduce a new line in this series. Maybe you perhaps love this, right? <laughs> yep. So yes, I do. Especially if I get it for free. But see, that's that corporate consulting thing that kind of goes on and has kind of invaded yep. this space. And it's happened with YouTube, Joe. I'm sure you guys mm. know it. That you know, you get the emails of like, you need to be making shorts. Hey, here's a here's a suggestion. Make yep. a channel, you know, for this, that, or the other. And you have all these big quote unquote influencers doing that on YouTube because they're all they already have a million subscribers or hundreds of thousands. And so they're going to be able to make a little extra money doing that and everything. Whereas if you're not making a dime, it doesn't matter. You know, if the algorithm is not going to catch you and put you out there in front of everybody, what, you know, what does that? And listen, if you've got Steve Gloss and Scott Rifen on your show, the algorithm is not going to pick you up and, uh, (laughs) and carry you through. Well, <clears throat> really, this podcast is just really here to entertain me, so it's it's fine. If I'm the one listener, we're good, because I'm entertained. You guys make me laugh, but, and that's, but you that's know good. But you know what's funny is, and, and one of the things that I always appreciate, and I've told you this a thousand times, in a world that claims to treasure and present diversity, overwhelmingly, people who claim and talk about diversity as a virtue don't actually present diversity and don't have any real interest in actually presenting diversity. Uh, They have a small subset of people that they call diverse and they show you the same subset of people over and over again. Right. Uh, This program actually does show, have diversity. This program actually does have people of different backgrounds, different faiths, different uh, political beliefs, different genders, different, you know, you, you have all of that. Uh, and, and you don't make a gigantic deal out of it. And we'd have more if more people would agree to come on and give it a whirl. I mean, we've yeah. I've offered anybody and everybody under the sun, hey, come on and talk about your thoughts, your views, everything like that. And um, some people have. Others have said, no, no thanks. Um, you know, and, and I'm just going to hop away from that real quick onto this. Steve, um you had mentioned that you had had some interaction with Vanessa Marshall in the past. I think you and Teresa maybe had had interaction with her. And I know our friend Adam Bray had had some interaction with her. I, you know, I had her on the show. She was, not only was she dealing with a fire in her neighborhood at the time she was on our show, which was grief. Yeah. Yeah. She, she paused, went away, answered a phone call, hopped back on said, there's a fire, but it's not close to my house. So I don't have to leave. Um, So yeah, she was dealing with that, but when I brought up everybody's name and said, hey, I just, I would feel bad. I'd feel remiss if I didn't bring up Steve and, and Teresa and, and Adam. And she, nice as can be. She's just like, thank you. They're, I remember they're, they're sweet people. And I tell you, you, you had mentioned she was like a great ambassador for Star Wars right now. And, and she just, you want to talk about a person who had no, like no agenda, right? Like she came yeah. on and. I don't. I couldn't tell you what she believes, what she doesn't believe, except that she's a nice person. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. And and so going off of what uh, Scott was saying about how we try to bring everybody in, I would love to have more people like that. Where I just say, hey, go and talk about what you want to talk about, and every now and then we'll ask you a question related to Star Wars, right? Yep. And and it was one of the best things we ever did to to have her on, and and we're open to that. I mean. Uh, Scott and I, you know, we, we've talked about, um, 
the first Okairo, right? Okairo, mm -hmm. man, that guy is, he's a wild man, but I love mm -hmm. it. I love how wild he is. And he comes on and I'll let him rant for an hour. Go, yeah. just talk about and, what you want you know to talk what? about. I and listen to great. him on your program. I listen to him on there and I, I don't agree with half the stuff he says, but I'm fascinating by what he said, <laughs> you know, and I, and I'm interested in what he said. Uh, and, and I think, you know, that's a guy that I appreciate mm -hmm. because he is willing to go different places and talk about, you know, what he buys into, what he believes in want you know, wants to share what, what, what is kind of up in his head. Uh, and yeah, I love the guy and I love hearing him, but it, you know, and you, and you can actually like and enjoy and appreciate people who are not exactly identical to you. It's amazing. Well, uh, with you guys being from the South, you guys know of Bobby A. Bear, probably the quarterback mm -hmm. who was with the Saints and the Falcons, mm -hmm. I believe. His son, T-Bob, has come mm -hmm. on our show five or six times. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about a fanatic for the sequel trilogy. This man, <laughs> he'll die on that hill, right? And he's gonna, I'm going to have him on soon to talk about Ahsoka. And I want to see how he correlates it back to the sequel trilogy because he loves it. But we love that. T-Bob is a wild man animal. And he comes on and I just let him rant. And I love every minute of it. And, he, you know, he's a great friend of my son. He's a good friend of the show. But I think that's one of the things that I get the most kick out of is hearing those guys just go down those tangents. Steve, you always talk about taking this off the rails and everything. But there's there's plenty of people who do that on our show, um, not just you. Um, so, but it's it's that that is what's entertaining to me about all this is that we just have fun and let people be who they are. So, well, speaking speaking of T Bob, let me just swing this back around. In the cartoon mask, um, you had not only all of the characters that you could find on the shelves and everything, but like many cartoons of the day. They always tried to throw in some extra characters that would be just there for fun. Sure. So Matt Tracker, the leader of Mask, had a son, and his son had a little robot buddy that turned into a scooter that he'd ride around on, and his name was T-Bob. Oh, Short man. No. Bob. Yep. Yep. That cannot be. It's a true story. I am. I'm going to pull that up and send that to him. Just want to say, is here's that where he gets it from. No, he. His name is also Bobby A. Bear, but sure. he, because he doesn't want to be, you know the son of Bobby A. Bear to be Bobby A. Bear somehow, some way. And I forget the story. He he goes by T-Bob. I'll have to check with him again. Next time he's on the show, we'll, we'll get it knocked out on that. But yes, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's something correlating to, Hey, I, you know, I'm my own guy. I'm not, I'm not Bobby A. Bear. I'm T-Bob. So maybe their name is like Thomas Robert A. Bear. And that's why he goes by. I will find out T-Bob, but um, okay. Uh, I did have a question for both of you guys. Okay. Um, and uh, so we've talked about a lot of animation, Saturday morning cartoons, all that kind of stuff, which I think I think we were all better for growing up with Saturday morning cartoons and making that a special kind of event for all of us. But looking at Star Wars itself, um, is there a cartoon, an animated story that you want to see coming out of star Wars in the near future. Hmm. You mean like, out of, like an adaptation of something already made or uh, no, I mean, it could be the next clone wars, the next rebels. It could be an adaptation of something that's already out there, whatever. But what would, what would be your, I guess, fantasy storyline that you'd say, I would love to see an animated 
storyline of this that either connects something or it's in between something or what have you? Steven? Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I know that there have been a lot of people who've clamored for like, animate the original Thrawn trilogy or animate yes, and that's Dark where Empire. I thought maybe this was going yeah yeah okay um of course all of those would be outside of continuity nowadays you know what I mean um I, I think given given things like Star Wars visionaries or whatever they call it you know where they're doing like the the anime yeah the anime stuff and everything I I think that there's a look and I, and I don't want to step on anything Scott would have to do or say here, but I think there's a great opportunity to do some animated versions of the Marvel comics. Stuff ah, there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So and I'll, let Scott, I'll let Scott speak to particular story arcs that he might like to see that done with. I let you go first. And what do you do to me? Yeah. What do you do to me? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that that's actually what I'd love to see done. And uh, heck with the fact that they've already bridged all that stuff in the regular, you know, the new Marvel comics. Uh, I'd like to, for them to go back and I'd like for them to go to that, uh, that water world. I'd like for them to have mm -hmm. Crimson Jack steal. I mean, you know, that's the beautiful thing about it is they were conscious of everything that they had. Um, maybe, maybe more so than we understood at the time. Uh, you know, Solo gets away with his reward and hmm, we've got to have Solo be desperate and broke because it's not fun when he's got a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, so Crimson Jack steals his treasure, you know, steals his reward. So now Solo's broke and desperate for money again, puts him in a great position. The Crimson Jack story unfolds in a very interesting way. Then, of course, you know the wheel. You know the wheel because you you make fun of me saying the wheel all the time. <laughs> the wheel... <laughs> <laughs> the wheel story is fantastic but before that you've got balance the hunter you introduced that whole saga mm -hmm. uh you've got the the whole taggy family drama that they've reintroduced a lot of these characters including crimson jack which they they introduced him in the halcyon cruiser miniseries or whatever it was called uh you know for the uh uh what's the name the of the hotel. what's the name of the what's the name of the hotel they closed uh i haven't they did close it it's october now um it was just the Galactic Cruiser, wasn't it? Yeah, Galactic Star Cruiser. Yeah, but it was the Halcyon. Yeah, but they did a miniseries about it, and Crimson Jack showed up in the miniseries. So the, you know they put him in continuity, but not you know they they brought sure. a lot of these characters in, uh, including Domina Taggy, who was a great character, but they didn't bring her back the way she was. Yeah. She was Michael Corleone. She was the innocent who they tried to keep away from the family business, who wound up being the mastermind of the family business. Love it. Uh, in in. The current comics, she's just an evil, mean, conniving, you know, person who was always evil, mean, and conniving. And that that's not interesting and exciting to me. It's that fall that I think is interesting. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, they literally put her away on a monastery on a planet called Monastery. They had it, they were so committed to the idea of her being <laughs> in a monastery. And um, you know, from there she becomes the manipulative leader of the family, essentially. Uh, that's interesting stuff. I would like to see that story told that way. Um, and then from there, the post empire stuff where they go, the planet of the hujibs as the book and record had, uh, you know, Pliff was the name of the issue. Number 55, uh, where Lando goes back to cloud city right after that. And, uh, you know, has to deal with a malfunctioning Lobot and, Lobot, yeah. uh, you know, that whole thing, that whole storyline. And then, you know, they're going after solo being frozen uh, running into Finn Shiza. I mean, that, that there's just a, a slew of great stories 
that could be adapted and even tweaked a little bit to make them a little, a little more continuity friendly. But, um, in the overall, yeah, I would love to see adaptations of that stuff. Love yeah, to see. You could, and, and my thing is I want to see it in 2d animation, not 3d mm -hmm. animation. You know, I think, I think that'd be kind of the fun way to go with it. You know, you know, for me, I'd like to see it done in the style of the artist who drew it. I'd like to see yeah. an Infantino looking star Wars doing Infantino cool. stories for sure. Wow. Um, I, I also, the hunter. Ballast. I think, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think you could also get a lot of mileage out of an animated series. That's kind of like a tales from Jabba's palace or mm -hmm. a tales of the Moss Eisley cantina kind of thing, because there was so much scum and villainy there. You could show just a lot of mm -hmm. hunter type adventures. You could show a lot of different things, you know, and, um, and do some shorts if they wanted if they want to stick to kind of the short format that they did with like uh what they call it the tales of the jedi that they put out on disney plus uh last mm, yep. year mm -hmm. that was like yeah that had some prequel era stuff in it and everything i i think that you could do that and have a lot of fun with some of those characters that you know are just look an episode focused on yak face so there's finally a reason to own the action figure <laughs> you know like that it's it i think i think you could have some fun with that kind of stuff greedo before he wound up in you know sizzling on the table at, at, at the moss Eisley cantina you and know? this is the stuff that west end games used to do before mm -hmm. yeah this is this is where we got a lot of that stuff the only thing i would say and i like the idea the only thing i would say is don't give me everything about everybody because right. I, I that kind of drives me nuts when they tell me you know, uh, and, and as much as I love Jeffrey Bohm at the beginning of Indiana Jones and the last crusade, we find out in 10 minutes where he got the fear of snakes, the scar, the bullwhip and the fedora. Um, yeah, but, but in 89, that was cool, man. Oh, well, no. Cool. And I love it. I love that movie. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. And I love that screenplay, but, yeah. um, but, and it's, it's, it's nice to have that kind of neat thing for a character like Indiana Jones, but I don't, I don't want every detail of every background character because I want them I want some of their canvases to be blank so that I can put what I want on them. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I also, I think though, head you could cannon, do it, sure. but yeah. I think you could do it like very short form. The, the, the micro series, the clone wars micro series that Tartakovsky Ooh. did, Ooh. Um, you know, that whole, the second or third season, I guess is what they actually called it, where it was the whole battle of Coruscant leading literally right into revenge of the Sith. You had them try to protect Palpatine. You had these Jedi try, and, you don't know to this day who these Jedi were, but there was an Ithorian Jedi there. There was a, mm -hmm. a Tall's Jedi there. And the Ithorian turns around and faces like the, the droids and stuff that are chasing him down and just lets out this bellow. And Luminar unduly looks and says, four throats. And they just go on with the thing. Like, <laughs> there's no dialogue. You don't know who these characters are. You don't know where they can. And you don't need to. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I say, I don't think, you know, you necessarily need the Yak Face backstory. But like... Yeah. Just a just a 15 minute, 10, 15 minute cartoon of him, you know, doing something, mm -hmm. you know, and then walking into Jabba's palace with the find or with the, you know, whatever he's whatever job he's been out on, you know, that kind of thing. And you don't have to be like, I was born a young yak face, you know, I was born <laughs> a poor black boy. You know, you don't have to do the do the whole jerk backstory and everything. You just here he is in this in a ship that you've designed for him to be in and yep. You know, coming back from something, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Like, and you kind of get to see those kind of people. Effent Mon, you know, they they said that he was this weird character in the background 
you know, and so of course the backstory that's made for him is he's like a weapons dealer, you know, show him dealing some arms, you know, show him doing some shady deals and having to get away from stormtroopers of all things. Like, you know, they're, uh, these underworld people are still outside right. of the law as it pertains to the empire. So you still can have the empire being the bad guys with these, with these folks and, and they can still be bad guys and you can still be kind of rooting for them. That reminds me also another thing I would like to see it taken on as an animated project or as a, a book project or as a comic project or as a multimedia or transmedia project, as they now say, it used to be multimedia. Now it's transmedia mm. um, because that trans became the hip thing. And um, it's uh, the Star Wars Underworld series. Mm -hmm. mm. There, We know there are scripts. Well, they were told there are scripts yeah. stockpiled. Um, don't let those go to waste. Let's let's see them put out there in some way, shape, fashion, form, something. I, I kind of got the sense that some of that was done or they took some ideas and stuff from that for the like the 13, 13. first couple of well, for the first couple of episodes of uh like Mandalorian and stuff, like some of the mm -hmm. concepts and all of that, hmm. you know. Um, and then of course by the time you get to the end of the first episode, that whole what your, your thought of that whole show or my thought of what that whole show is about to be changed because like i can watch this guy go on adventures every week you know yep. taking down some you know taking down some targets that'll be fun and i really did think and then when he opens up that pram and there's baby yoda <laughs> i'm like oh this just got real you know <laughs> that, that was a, that was the last fun star wars surprise i think that we'll ever have i don't know well i think luke showing up was probably a, a tremendous fun star wars yes. surprise but, oh yeah that was great but um yeah. maybe those may be the two pinnacles of disney star wars mm -hmm. and, and the other thing that that did to me was it justified disney because remember at the time the binge was the model mm -hmm. and people were kind of perturbed that they weren't binging mando they were putting it out weekly yeah and it was the 100 percent right thing to do because you open up that pram at the end and you see little baby yoda who we all automatically named that mm -hmm. right after the episode and that that turned that show into what TV used to be, which was you show up at work the next day and you talk about what you saw last night. Yep. 100%. And, and TV used to be that thing. And then it went away from being that thing. And then all of a sudden, so we had time to talk about that and buzz about it. And, Oh, Hey, you better check this out before next week. <laughs> right. Uh, it was a hundred percent the right thing to do uh, to not do a binge model on that. Cause otherwise, Oh yeah. Did you see the baby Yoda thing? It was pretty cool. And then it wound up like this. Eh, cute. All right. Move on. Yep. Yeah. Well, as Steve said, this is we've gone two hours. This is the longest Oops. we've ever done a rule of the galaxy. Um, and I'm I'm being hailed to say it's time to start moving again. Uh -oh. <laughs> moving houses. Oh, um, that's what you've been doing. You've been getting out of yes. the moving duties. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've been letting other people do the work for you. No, no, I would never do that. I'm all about the work, Steve. Oh, I would. I'd um, I've got this important discussion I've got to have. Well, what as is it about cartoons and Star Wars. <laughs> um, you have a I might, I might break this up into two episodes and have them do a cartoon hour and a Star Wars hour because people are going to be like, "Wait a minute, you were just talking Saturday morning cartoons for an hour, and now we're going deep into this." Well, that's all welcome right. To welcome to Geek Out Loud. <laughs> Yeah. Welcome to Geek Out Loud. Welcome folks. to any conversation between us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um guys, look, it it's I I told 
uh, Scott beforehand, you know, just a lot of changes going on at the Molinero household. So with me not being on the show as much as, as usual, the guys have been great and taking care of things while I've been kind of putting some things in order in the Molinero household. Um, but having you two that I can just reach out to and, and take the time to sit here and laugh and have great conversations and not have to think about the real world for like two hours is fantastic. So thank you for being my therapist uh, for this week and, and letting me just sink into fun times from the seventies, eighties through to today. So I really appreciate you guys both. Any, any closing thoughts from either one of you guys? You want us to help you move? <laughs> if you want to visit Indiana, you're more than yeah, welcome. Yeah, we can't. So <laughs> I was just making the offer to seem nice. <laughs> gone you, Scott. Um, no, but thanks so much. And, and Steve, thanks. Um, thanks for giving Joey Marinara the shout outs on geek out loud, because I'm sitting there listening, not expecting to hear my name. And all of a sudden I'm like, Hey, wait, my, my dogs are being mentioned in geek out loud. And Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I jinxed geek out loud and it went off the air again for a few weeks because I talked about it. Yeah. That was all your fault. (laughs) I told you don't say such a thing, (laughs) but you guys are the best. I, I, I can't wait to to meet back up and talk once uh, Scott finishes up with Clone Wars Rebels and Ahsoka. We can all sit down and hash that all out completely. Um, but but thanks so much for for coming and being a part of what we do and and letting the guys take a week off while I take a break from moving. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Love being offered uh, the opportunity to come out here and chat with you guys. And I will get Mark Newbold on with you soon, Scott, so you guys can talk <sighs> Marvel Marvel right. comics. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, be great. You always are. Thanks for always what thanks for always being a part of what we do. For all of our fans of Rule the Galaxy, thanks so much for listening. Hopefully you will enjoy this show because it's multi tangent in this episode right here. We cover a lot of stuff. Something for everybody. Something for everyone. Yeah. That's right. So thanks again. Until next week when me or one of the other guys will be hosting, may the force be with you. (laughs) 